0: Hello, everybody, this is David Goldsmith, and welcome to the Age of Infinite. Throughout history, humans have made significant transformational changes, which in turn have led to the renaming of periods into ages. You've personally just experienced the information age, and boy, what a ride it's been. Now consider that you might right now be living through an age of transformation into the Age of Infinite, an age that is not defined by scarcity and abundance, but by a redefining lifestyle consisting of infinite possibilities and infinite resources, which will be made possible through a new construct where the moon and the earth, as we call it, mirth, will create a new ecosystem and a new economic system that will transition us into the infinite future. The ingredients for an amazing sci-fi story that will come to life during your lifetime. This podcast is brought to you by the Project Moon Hut Foundation, where we look to establish a box with a roof and a door on the moon, a moon hut, we were named by NASA, To the accelerated development of an earth and space-based ecosystem, then to turn the innovations and the paradigm shifting from that endeavor back on earth to improve how we live on earth for all species. If you're interested in knowing more you can go to the website www.projectmoonhot.org. in the top right hand corner there are several videos. I always suggest people watch number one and number three. Today we're going to be exploring an amazing topic, the topic is, the future of life in the universe depends on us. Wow, we're putting a lot of pressure on us. And today we have with us Fraser Kane. How are you doing, Fraser? I'm doing great. Well, as always, we do have a very brief bio. Fraser is the publish, uh, publisher of Universe Today and co-host of Astronomy Cast. On YouTube, he has 343,000 subscribers as of today. I look today to his program, where he too interviews experts on the beyond earth ecosystem so this is new to him to some degree and he also generates a tremendous amount of valuable educational content that to do with anything or all things space now i've added this recently and those of you who listened in the past i'm often asked how much did we prepare for this program so i'm going to give you a quick snippet of how this works what we do is We don't, we start off with a guest that's selected and there's a process to even find a guest, someone we like, who we can work with. Then the guest watches the videos and listens to some of the Project Moon Hut programs that we had. And then we have a call and we decide on a program. We don't know the content. And during that call, we create the title. This can last anywhere from 45 minutes to three hours to select that title. And then the guest is left to their own, such as Fraser goes out on his own, and he puts together the program. I, nor you listening, have any clue what he's going to talk about. I start with about 12 blank pages of paper in front of me, and the cameras are off, so I don't see him, and we go from there. So let's get started. Fraser, do you have an outline or bullet points for us to follow today? I do.
1: I'm excited. Good, good. Yeah. So, can you give them to us? I can. Make- I can. Yeah. So, so, but I have, but first, I, I have a lofty goal. Sure. Is that my hope is by the end of this program, I will have convinced you to throw away your reason why and replace it with my own. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so your very raison d'etre, I plan to, uh, to replace. So, okay so, right. let's so, let's so hear by it. the end of this hey. conversation let me know how close i got well
0: what we're good we'll do at the end we'll talk
1: so, all right all right fantastic. sounds good yeah so uh so life is better than rocks okay number two uh we're probably alone in the universe the octopuses can't do it
0: <laughs> can't do it
1: next stop wrecking earth
0: wrecking earth
1: that's next. it that's my list. Okay,
0: no, that's a good list. I, I, I had to make sure I spelled everything properly. Okay, so let's start with this. <laughs> well, octopus was one.
1: Uh, no, life is see. better than rocks. We'll start with life. Is no, no, than they, rocks. no, 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 they,
0: the, the, uh, the spelling. Make sure I spelled it mm-hmm. wrong. Right, right, right.
1: Wrecking an octopus. So
0: it's so, number yeah, yeah. one. Yeah. Life is better than rocks.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I like, and this is subjective, and I think you know my whole argument will collapse like a house of cards if people are going to disagree with me on this point. Okay. and that is i uh, life improves the universe we see life here on earth think about the oceans the forests the even in our houses everything the the incredible diversity that is constantly going on here on planet earth makes our planet better it makes it interesting it makes it chaotic it makes it kind of scary but it also makes it more interesting and to imagine A universe, like the moon, think about the moon, or think about an asteroid. It's a rock. It's an interesting rock. It's got a lot of different layers to it. It's got perhaps volcanism. There's micrometeorites hitting the surface. There's gravitational effects and forces that are going on. But at the end of the day, it's a rock. And so I think that if we could choose to have a a universe that is devoid of life, that was formed in the Big Bang, is expanding out forever. The and and it is just rocks and eventually will head on to the heat death of the universe, that would be a waste of a perfectly good universe that the one that is filled with life in all of its varieties, the good and the bad makes for a more interesting universe. So so just the
0: way you said it, I'm going to jump in a little bit here because the first thing that came to mind is if a tree falls in the woods and no one is there to see it, or hear it
2: mm-hmm. did
0: it fall did it did that happen so i'm when you're saying life improves the universe it's metaphorically i don't know if that's the right definition you're saying yeah because, well I mean, Carl, because we exist because yeah. we exist the entire the entire billions 14 billion they all the all of this is better because this one little tiny rock in the middle of nowhere in the blip in time well, I mean, this,
1: this rock could be a write-off. This rock could be the worst life, the worst place in the entire universe that is interesting. Okay and, right so it's, so i'm not saying there's anything necessarily special oh so
0: you're not okay. saying earth so you didn't mean earth you're saying life improves life. the universe life ah. improves the
1: universe yeah yeah okay i didn't catch as yeah. it. that because you talked about when the oceans so, and, and so the forests yeah yeah and so when you imagine the diversity of life here on earth you think about all of the different ecosystems imagine a universe filled with life every possible ecosystem that has been that has creatures adapted, living there, intelligent civilizations, spanning the cosmos, creating galactic federations. Uh, oh yeah, no we've every, been there. I have right? seen
0: I've seen um what's his name? William Shatner, right? He stuffed yeah. gone to all yeah, of
1: these. Exactly, right? And so and, imagine and, that that Star Trek that Star Trek future and you know, you think about that classic Carl Sagan quote, right? That life is the way the universe observes itself. That back to your tree falling in the forest, if if there is no life to observe the universe, what was the point? The, so... So yeah, I'm going to place my flag and say life is better than rocks.
0: So uh, one of the, inter- uh, going back, you said Carl Sagan, we talked about William Shatner and, and the traveling. It's an interesting concept because life, I do agree with you on this, this measurement, but even not but, you could look at Star Trek and you could look at almost any of these sci-fi movies. Most of, the, it's not the transport that it's important. It's meeting the new civilizations, so it's not traveling between the planets. That's the often is the focus of a Star Trek episode. It was what happened when they got there.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: So I do agree with you. So, so I agree with this, but where does it... I, I'm not sure where you want me to go with it. Like, okay, well
1: that's it. Like, like, like because because I'm going to say that we need to make sure that life spreads and is maintained in the universe. So.
2: Okay, so that's
1: that's why that's this is important. So if you so if I believe you you disagree with me, and you say meh life I I'll take rocks well good news, the universe (laughs) has supplied you with rocks.
0: Sometimes, sometimes while sitting here at my desk. I do think that.
1: Well, then 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 perhaps we <laughs> so may disagree. I'm joking about the way yeah, you, I'm joking yeah. about and what's when been the happening and when the, the news sun and... expands in a few billion years and wipes out all life on earth, <laughs> you will have the rocks and only the rocks that you were I, hoping for.
0: I won't be in this chair though. So yeah,
1: without all that um, pesky life to complicate this rock filled future. So,
0: so, uh, okay. I I'm going to let, let's ride with this. I can play with this. Yes. I right. do believe that life improves the, the, I believe that life adds value. I don't yeah. know if it improves the universe, but I believe it adds value to the complexity.
1: Of, yeah. Well, of I everything. mean, but, but again, like, I think it's a subjective question, right? Like, I think like what the universe is provide, what life is giving us is diversity. That diversity of culture, diversity of life forms, diversity of just the way that things happen on our planet makes this planet interesting. And I think one of the excitements, what's so attractive about Star Trek, is this idea that you could hop in a spacecraft, fly to another star system, meet an alien species that has none of our similar evolutionary biology, is completely alien in every way, and yet we could find common ground and enjoy their exotic cuisines and interesting cultural elements and all that. Like, I think that's the heart of it is that the more time and space that you get, the more interesting, crazy stuff can form that can be exciting.
0: So my question then is a question I have in my mind is when did you first think
3: this? Uh, probably 25 years ago. Do you know why? Yeah,
1: I read, um, Carl Sagan's book, Pale Blue Dot, and I read, uh, Bob Zubrin's book, The Case for Mars, and those, those got me thinking. In your everyday, in what you've been- do, do so, you try to
0: put, I, I guess. This is the source put-
1: of universe today. What I'm about to explain to you is why universe today exists. It's why, I, why
3: I have my career. Why I do this job.
0: Okay. So, so yeah, yeah te- because I've got some questions, but I want to see where you go with them and then we can follow sure. up.
1: Okay. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. So uh, are we done with number one? I think so. I think so. I mean, unless you know, I mean, obviously this is an interview. We're not having a debate. So, uh, oh, we, so we're having
0: a discussion. We'll we're having a discussion,
1: discussion, but you know, obviously feel free if anyone, because, because again, my whole opinion will crumble if you think rocks are better than life.
0: I don't think rocks are better than okay. life. I actually, okay. I, but the thing is I think that there's value to all sorts of things that happen in the universe in and of themselves. So I Mm -hmm. do think there's a value to a rock. Do Mm -hmm. do I put a value over one over the other? Well, we theoretically, and I've never thought about this. So I'm kind of playing the, not the devil's advocate. I'm playing a little, we sit on a rock. If there was no rock, we wouldn't be here. So can't
1: have both. Yeah, we we have to have a rock to have the life. No? No, I mean, life is trying to destroy rocks right? When you think about your soil around your house, it is ground up rocks created by life and processes that, that what life is trying to do is, is dismantle the natural world. And by natural, I mean, like the physical, like the rocks, the energy in the rocks trying to use the energy to take apart the rocks, to organize it in a more useful manner for the life. So, so
0: it's it's selfish in its way i'm sorry using the
1: word but it's yeah selfish in its way. yeah it's, i mean we are i mean we are halfway through this process that that we obviously we have rocks so the life hasn't gotten to it but there's lots of places where life has completely demolished rocks so and it's really hard like the life as it exists here on earth is not going to get around to demolishing planet earth but a future life might You know, we can imagine some future where life tears apart a planet and turns it into more life. You don't know me well enough, but
0: I'm a very literal person. So if someone says something, I often listen to the words and then they say, that's Mm -hmm. not what I said. And I said, no, Mm -hmm. that's exactly what you said. Well, that's not what I meant. So Mm -hmm. when this word better is part of my challenge. It's not that it's that there's a value Mm -hmm. to all the pieces in an ecosystem, whether you appreciate that or not. the other day, someone mentioned something and I said, well, a virus is a living creature and it has evolved our human species and animal species. And they said, yeah, but we don't need viruses. We kind of do. So, Well, yeah, we do. And this person had challenged that because it was a negative. And I said, we need creatures on this planet. Uh, I don't know what I was listening to. So please bear with me. But this guy was telling this story, how he was up in Antarctica and this, they saw a polar bear on another rock. And the polar bear started coming towards this group of people and they were trying to get as far away from the polar bear as possible. And at one point the polar bear jumped and was maybe 15, 20 feet you know, five meters away. And then it went underwater and it came up where they were grabbed one of the people Ugh. and pulled them into the water.
1: Yeah. And
0: it was hunting.
1: Yeah, of course. And, yeah. and, 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 and that I, that was a, that know, was <laughs> a people problem, not a polar bear problem. <laughs> not
0: right? A polar like, bear,
2: right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and so, but polar bears are just, in this case, the polar bear was harming another creature. So when we need that balance that yeah. it's not a yin and yang, but the, the balance of, or the things that happen in the universe to get where we are. So I guess I like the life and the rocks. I think they all have a place. So would I say life is better than rocks? Uh, I would say in my mind, they're both valuable, yet life adds that dimensionality mm-hmm. to the universe. Yes, that's that's what I
1: appreciate. Yeah. Does that I, make it, sense? Yeah, no, for sure. I'm I'm saying that that the material components of the universe and the energy in the universe are are the raw ingredients for everything that life does.
0: Okay, I and, and, and
1: I and, that and, I would have so completely how agree. much of it it wants to use is up to life. Okay, right. So so I'm not I'm not. I mean, I think you know. By the end, I'm going to really firmly advocate for us living in sustainable balance here on planet Earth and oh. even in the solar system. But, um, but I also I, think there's a certain amount of chaos. You kind of can't control what the outcome is going to be. So, so you can nip never, this whole thing in the bud. You can no, no, sure no, we're not, is, we're not nipping it. I mean, no, no, I'm not saying not, you can. I'm saying one oh. can. One can nip this whole thing in the bud and just say, you know what? Life is just too dangerous. Let's just stick with rocks, rocks and stars, and, and have let you, that all reach the- Have you of the had numbers.
0: a person who has said the opposite? Let me ask no, you. You've never. done that. Okay, never. never. So never. It, never. It's, there's, a, there's a question that we ask with Project Moon Hut, and I've actually started keeping score just recently. Yeah. And I say, name one project on planet Earth, on the entire Earth, that is working for all of Earth to solve the challenges on Earth collectively, not for a society, not for a group, but for all species on Earth. Name one. Mm -hmm. just name one. And I've asked a lot of people, they've given me smaller examples of things that are happening. yeah. And the number is still zero.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't be able to give you one. So,
0: and well, hello. Uh, So that's why I'm interested in where you're going to go. So let's take this number two. What do we have? We probably, we are probably alone in the universe.
1: That's right. Probably alone. Okay. Yeah. So when we think about the universe, we think about that there are hundreds of billions of stars in the milky way alone there are hundreds of billions possibly trillions of galaxies in the observable universe each one of these stars probably has one or many planets there are rogue planets that are floating in between the star systems evidence uh paleological evidence shows that the moment life could have survived here on earth it did that life goes back to whatever four billion years ago just a few hundred million years after the formation like the moment the earth wasn't a molten ball of lava um life formed so you think it happened that quickly it well i best like i think that it happened that quickly there is okay. evidence for fossilized microbes that are just a few hundred million years after the big bang you know in relative
0: terms yes it happened
2: so not the
1: big Bang, sorry after after the formation of the earth i apologize yeah Yeah. okay there are there (laughs) is um we'll get to the big bang part in a second but there is yeah so there is life going back here on earth to just a few hundred million years after the formation of the earth that i would agree with yes i just so life formed really in almost instantaneously the moment the conditions were acceptable not great just acceptable life formed and so okay. the standard view is that life is everywhere here on earth every every nook and cranny where we find liquid water we find life and so the standard view is life must be everywhere okay right? It should be everywhere. There should be life on other planets. There should be life. There should be tens of thousands of advanced civilizations across the Milky Way. There should be advanced civilizations in every galaxy that we can see. The universe should be teeming with life.
0: And and well, and we're using... I, I think it's very easy. I did it for a moment, and then I stopped. And who's the? I'm going to use a uh, an author to kind of demonstrate the differences. Was it Andrew Work or something Work that just wrote that book recently, where the the other species was a different type of oh Andy um, Weir,
1: Andy is Weir, Project Hail Mary, yeah,
0: yes, yeah. And, and so defining life is in your mind anything that is, what? you know, when you see
1: it. right so this was
0: the scientific
1: interview i remember that's right yeah 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 (laughs) so like anything that that you know there's lots of definitions for life and you can there's a geneticist perspective of what life is and there's a and there's a, a a biologist point of view and and there's many different but but the gist is some combination of it pulls in energy from its environment. It has some kind of membrane where it, it organizes stuff inside itself and moves, changes, reproduces, grows, kicks around its environment, does stuff. So if you have the equation, and it's an equation, life mm-hmm.
0: forms instantaneously when the conditions meet a certain set of, of behaviors, conditions. Okay. Yeah. 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 And so, and and what you're saying is, therefore, if that's the case, then it should be happening all over the universe. Right. And you're saying this
1: is not the equation. Well, no, no, I'm saying like, that's the, that's everyone's expectation. And that, and that the, the idea of, you know, because here in the universe we exist with a common set of rules. We've got, we've got the energy from stars. We have the chem, we have chemistry, we have laws of physics they They guide or they play a role here on everything that happens on planet Earth. They must have those same rules must be happening everywhere across the universe that that we can see. From what we can tell, the universe is the same everywhere that there are stars. The stars give off energy. The radiation falls on planets. The planets are made out of various chemicals. The chemicals interact with each other. Some will have liquid water. that the kinds of processes that happen here on Earth are happening everywhere around this this universe. That's an and, expectation. Yes. If, if,
0: yeah, if for those yeah, who believe that life forms, if the conditions are right for at least our yeah. type of species, yeah. Uh, then that will happen on other planets. Right. And that because upon, because it's mathematically impossible not to
1: based upon the Well, you the just have to make that assumption. Of, like yes. like if you're going to make the assumption that the laws of physics are completely different for every cubic meter of the universe, then you can't you can't make can't say anything about the universe. So okay. yeah, so that's like astronomers kind of say we're not special. This what we see here is kind of how everything is probably out there. And so then this idea of evolutionary, you know, evolutionary biology by natural selection is one of the resulting features you would expect for limited amounts of energy falling onto limited amounts of chemistry. Yeah. Right. That, that you get more sunlight, you get less sunlight, you have more ingredients, you have less ingredients that you're attempting, your the life form is attempting to adapt itself to live in the um to live in the habitat that it finds itself and over time will become better and better adapted to its surroundings and you'll have natural selection. You'll have animals eating each other, you'll have creatures eating each other, aliens eating each other to which are better adapted and, and more fit to survive in certain environments. And this process, this evolutionary process that we see here on earth feels like it should be the kind of thing that we would find out there across the universe.
0: So right now life forms instantaneously and the formula is now you're adding plus natural selection Yeah, is a right. mechanism by which planets yeah. or species or right. be able to uh, progress,
1: change, evolve. Right. And even if life doesn't, doesn't form instantaneously, there seem to be mechanisms how life can move from world to world, from star system to star system. So life could have started only one time in the entire universe, but has naturally shifted around from world to world through these various processes. So do you, do you believe that? I don't have any... I, I don't believe it. It's not about a belief thing. It's whether or not there's evidence. I mean, we see Oumuamua. There's believed to be 30,000 interstellar asteroids passing through the solar system at any one time. And these are, these are objects that formed in other star systems. So there are definitely mechanisms that get material from one star system to another star system. It doesn't seem impossible that when you run the clock of the entire solar system for 4.6 billion years, that an asteroid was knocked off of another star system, kept microbes inside safely, and it happened to hit Earth. It doesn't seem impossible to me. Okay,
0: well, you, it, the premise seems like that is not your premise because by saying that life forms instantaneously when the characteristics behavior of what's happening makes it happen, yeah. then you would not be saying that you believe that there's a singular source of creation, and well, then but that like, has what's
3: been spread.
1: The, where did the first microbe form on earth? Let me pull up a map. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't bother. <laughs> right. It, it doesn't matter. We don't know. It, we can never know because. Well, I'm asking you, do
0: you think it came from another, uh, from another rock, think, another thing? I, or do you I think have, it instantaneously no, formed I have on no earth?
1: opinion. I have no opinion. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I have no, I have, I have insufficient evidence to decide either way. But what I do know is that, like, a, a better example is when you think about a coconut, which beach on Hawaii did the, co- the first coconut to grow on Hawaii land on? Or, it doesn't matter. It doesn't or, matter. Or, or. Was it yeah. spontaneously I don't, I, I don't on... think a coconut spontaneously formed on Hawaii. There are other islands that have coconuts that existed long before Hawaii was formed. Well, so, I, I, Hawaii was part of a massive... Yeah, right. So there was there were coconut, there were palm trees before Hawaii existed. And yet, as soon as Hawaii formed, then a coconut showed up. So, you know, you're making work for me. I'm going to have to do the history of coconuts. Okay, that's up to you um i could have used any other analogy i know would it's for would you prefer no, inches um...
0: <laughs> so you're i understand where you're going okay so you're yeah. but you're more i believe because you're put you said i believe life forms instantaneously that this other construct that it was dispersed through the universe no sounds... so i don't
1: say i don't say that i believe that life formed instantaneously i'm saying that is the that is what happened Oh. Uh, okay here on earth
0: and then you have this other So the assumption
1: is, and there's another possibility that life, like whether it formed or whether it got here through some other mechanism is irrelevant. The point is it was here. Okay. Yeah. And, and so when you add all of those pieces together, everyone's ad hoc assumption is life should be everywhere, just be everywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you talk to, you talk to anyone, you talk to astronomers, you talk to the regular public and you say, are there aliens? Do you think they're aliens? And they'll say, yes, of course, of course, it's a huge universe. It's big. We don't, we've only explored a tiny little piece of it. How could there not be aliens? There have to be aliens. And what I'm saying is that there aren't any. Okay. That That Earth is the only place with life at all in the entire observable universe. And at this point, I hope your audience is losing their minds. Well, it's just me. It doesn't matter. Okay, fine. Uh, but but people are vociferously disagreeing with my uh, my hubristic um, no it's assertion a, I mean, I, that we it are. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the, other
0: people you and I are talking. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That, well, of I course, of two. course. No, no, so I'm, if I, I'm if used I, to when this. I, I'm used to this, when I hear this,
1: yeah, not even a um, single bacteria on another you, star system out there. If the you
0: universe. had asked me, this is my answer and yeah. then this would be my second my my process. Yeah. I would say I would like to believe that something like this happened. Yet I have no
1: evidence mm-hmm. to but would you bet against it? If I if I said let's have a bet, you know, gentlemen's bet, we can get the answer in a second here, 100 bucks each way, I'll take the there is no life in the universe. Will you take the, yes, there is life in the universe. Would you take that bet? And then we could then know the answer instantaneously.
0: No, I know that. And my, uh, I, I never bet. Uh, oh. I mean, I got married. I started yeah. businesses. Those are all bets. But uh, sure. what, I, what would I say? Would you take that bet? What would I do? Would I take that bet? Yeah. I'm leaning towards saying, no, I wouldn't take that bet. Really? Interesting. I would. Okay. I would take the. I would say that
1: the the probability.
3: Yeah. A single of the occurrence.
1: Bacterial, uh, the, bacterial life form. A single-celled organism. Well, if it if it has, it has in be, the observable if, universe. Well, observable is a tough word because we keep on getting observable further. Sure. So include the new stuff. Include each time <laughs> you. Each time <laughs> yes. you think about it.
0: I would say that the randomness of collisions of something happening. Whether it be infinitesimally small, it doesn't mean we have to have humans and tigers
2: Mm -hmm. or and and, and
0: coconuts. A microbe. That a microbe planetary system in Alpha may have formed and it could have died. Mm -hmm. But I believe that the randomness of collisions of opportunity would probably have addressed itself, but we might not even recognize when we Mm -hmm. see it.
1: Okay. So you And I because we're we're
0: betting a hundred bucks, I don't want to lose. Yeah, yeah, no, I
1: know it's a lot of money. So it's (laughs) so it's so it's it's rocks as far as the eye can see. As far as
0: I could say, I would say that as far as you could see, yes. And mine is
1: on one of those.
0: Yeah. Again, we might not be able to identify it as we wouldn't see it because we wouldn't know it could be in a different spectrum of light or. Yeah, I mean, like I'm not going to include.
1: Stuff that exists in some extra dimension that we can't no no, I'm not talking about extra dimensions, so I'm just yeah. talking about we just might not be able yeah. to see it
0: because we can't see it with human the eyes. thing
1: that would cast a shadow, right? If it
0: okay, yeah, it, I would say went after the I rock would that I'm sitting that on. I've never been asked this question, so it's really yeah. it's a you've thought about it, I haven't, mm-hmm. and my mind
1: is racing. You've never and, wondered, you've never thought I believe that there's aliens in the universe? I've
0: never been put uh, into the huh. question of saying yes or no. Hmm. I've had the discussion about possibilities and that's a, yeah. th- the world is humans can get away with a lot. Yeah, when there's possibilities. When you say it's a yes or a no. Yeah. You have to take a camp. Yeah. And if I had to take the camp today, maybe in 6 months i'd think differently maybe after we're done i'll think differently but if i had to take a camp realize and i think we my background is organic chemistry physics calculus mm-hmm. i mean yeah, i do extreme yeah. sciences so i'm my mind my, my thought is i well, see you could change the formula would yeah. you bet your would you bet your life
1: on it well, no. Who like who who'd bet their life on things? No, like but those. I'm saying if the, if this
0: goes. was it, if this was, you really had no. to take a camp. No, absolutely I would not. I
1: would not. Bet I would my life say on this. it's
0: crazy. Uh, <laughs> but if I had to bet my life on it, I would say no one's
1: asking you to bet your life on it.
0: Oh, but a hundred bucks. So then I'm going to go yeah, at a hundred bucks, bucks. I'm going to say I believe there's something. I believe there's something out there. Okay, great. I, yes,
1: wonderful. <laughs> okay, now right, but like the fact that it took you that long, like everyone else, I I assume who's listening to this would take that bet in a heartbeat that it's that it's madness to think that there's not life out there so this so the idea and you probably heard of is the fermi paradox this idea that fine right if life is everywhere then where is everybody and when fermi enrico fermi first formulated this idea what he talked about was not like is there going to be life forms on the underside of an ocean in a far-flung corner of the universe. And of course, we haven't found that life because we've barely, we've barely started to explore. And when you talk to Jill Tarter, she will say, wondering about whether or not there's life in the universe is like taking a single spoonful of the ocean, not seeing any whales in it and thinking that there's no such thing as whales. But And, Enrico- and yes, you're, you're, Jill is going to be on next week. So yeah, that, yeah. W- maybe I'll bring this question up to her that'd be great yeah um and so but the fermi paradox is not about having explored the entire universe the the back of the map napkin math that enrico fermi did was he imagined some other alien civilization who had reached a certain level of technical capability sent out spacecraft to other star systems those star systems the spacecraft built more copies of themselves they went off to other star systems so he was imagining like we have life here on earth that as a, a, a civilization reaches a certain level of technology it will set off into the cosmos and begin the process of converting the cosmos from rocks to life I think there's also an, a
0: contrary one that as soon as you get to a certain point, if you don't make a decision, the whole thing implodes.
1: Yeah, that's a, we'll, we'll get to that in a second, but okay, but we'll, we'll stay on the, on the, on the, no, no, that's nice okay. I just was sorry. I, yeah. I just, so, yep. so th- this idea, and so that, that and we're on our way. When you think about what's happening with humanity, here we are. Uh, you know, someone's about to build a, a hut on the moon with a door. Someone else is going to be building a self-replicating robot that 3D prints, that goes to the asteroid belt and builds copies of itself, extracts antimatter, f- sends these self-replicating robots off to Alpha Centauri, to to Wolf three five nine. They're going to build copies of themselves. And according to you know, if you go 10% the speed of light, you will fully explore your entire galaxy in about 10 million years, like the Milky Way is about 170 150,000 light years across, you go 10% the speed of light. one point five million. Yeah, you've, you've, you've done it in about 2 million years, you've gone to every single star system, and you have filled every single star system with robots. And, and life, if you want, I mean, if you took if you took life along with your robots, Mm -hmm. you would have that. And, and so it's not that we would be like, it's up to us to go to these other star systems. But in fact, it's about the fact that these, that, that an alien civilization that starts anywhere across the entire Milky Way, 2 million years later, will have filled the entire Milky Way with self-replicating robot probes that there are about 4 billion galaxies that we can reach if we're able to build spacecraft capable of going just shy of the speed of light. So beyond that, all the, the other 2 trillion galaxies we can never reach, but there's about 4 billion that we can reach. The rest are expanding away from us faster yeah. than the speed of light, and we can just never get to them. But 4 billion billion's a lot, right? That's a big yeah, that's, that's a big that's... swath. It's, it's 4% of the universe. And is that what it is? It, Yeah, and if we started today, we could send about a send a bunch of robots out, antimatter robots that would reach one per galaxy, and they would begin the process of colonizing those. And and colonizing is a terrible word. Exploring, Um, we don't use. Yeah, we in ours we don't use colonizing or settlement. Explore. Yeah, explore. Right. And so by all means, we could we could and then we could have a map like we could have all of these robots just traveling to all these different star systems, sending data home to us here on Earth and then and then throwing themselves into the star to wipe away all trace of their existence if we wanted to. Okay. or we could we could send DNA factories that that spread cyanobacteria on every single planet that we run into and fill the universe with cyanobacteria. Santa Bacteria would like that just fine. Thank you very much. (laughs) So, so the question about why we don't see any aliens out there is not that we haven't gone out to find them. It's that they haven't come to find us and it doesn't matter where they start, right? Any one of those galaxies within four, you know, within the 4 billion galaxies in our local universe, each one, which has potentially tens of thousands of intelligent civilizations not one has sent out these robot probes to every single place in the universe. And that's weird, right? That is the Fermi paradox, that we sit here in what seems like a pristine universe, that that when a an advanced civilization begins really digging in, they are turning their asteroids into Dyson spheres, they are starting to utilize big chunks of the radiation from their star. These are signs that are easily recognizable across millions of light years. If we watched a galaxy wink out star by star, as they all shifted into the infrared spectrum, it would be dramatic and obvious. And yet, very expansive surveys have been done looking for infrared shifted galaxies across the observable universe and they haven't been seen it appears that the universe is raw wilderness in
3: every direction that we look
2: okay
1: so the you know so the the conclusion from that and and so if 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 like any little speck of life through the evolutionary process. Through the evolutionary process, can become an advanced civilization capable of sending out fleets of robotic spacecraft to every nook and cranny. Then we have to assume that it's never happened anywhere. We're else.
0: also, I think, there's also an assumption there that over the billions of years of evolution, that a a species would have s- reached that level to be able to do that. And maybe I'm just playing the devil's advocate. Sure. Maybe we're right now. Across the entire universe, we're right now reaching that point
1: where some that seems really weird that I, I I'm that there just... are you know say there are two trillion galaxies in the observable universe that there are potentially a hundred billion stars in each one of those galaxies that life could have formed on any of them or all of them that advanced civilizations could have gotten started in any one of those galaxies and would have begun is adapting their environment in a way that is observable to us.
0: It could also be that they have never reached. It could have
1: been that they haven't gotten this far yet. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, you know, I think most people when they hear that they say, well, but it's really far. Oh, but it's like, you know, it's really hard or it's really slow, or maybe they don't want to, but I don't even think mine was just a matter of math. It's yeah. Well, you have to run that experiment. You have to say yourself, okay, fine. Right. Like maybe, The gentle Dolphinoids in SETI Alpha 6 don't want to create a solar system spanning civilization. No problem. But the Borg over at Wolf 359, they sure want to, and they're going to do it. And so the Dolphinoids can either stop them or we're back. also
0: we're also making the assumption that they have the same cognitive patterns that we have, it, yeah, of, it, of exploration
1: and or domination, or well, I mean, it or, could be anything, right? It could be the most gentle, most loving exploration to send out peace and enlightenment to everyone to harmonize relations between civilizations. it it, it I, should I, just be obvious.
0: I think though built into that, in my mind, it's built into that is the, the presumption that whatever species develops has the cognitive capabilities of wanting to or being able to think in this way. And my mind, as you're talking about this, I said a dog went to a dog likes to wander. Mm-hmm. A dog will sniff, 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 and keep on going. It if it hasn't been trained, it'll just keep on going to eat yeah. and do. But that doesn't mean if the whole world was filled with dogs that one day they will rise up and have the ability that there will be one of them that supersedes the other. And even though the planet could be rich in species, it doesn't mean that
1: they'll be building something to leave. Right. But imagine you run that experiment on 2 trillion galaxies, 100 billion stars per galaxy over and over and over again. Right. Well, so it's not about it's, to, not, about, we, it's not about it's not about one place. But we can take
0: Earth. we can take that we can take that set that you've created,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and
0: let's call it a hundred. And we can take that set and we could say, yes, but the conditions, the way we know them, if we're using our biological systems and, and uh yeah, the um, the groupings that we've had for creating life, what we consider to be criteria we'd have to take out of that anything that's too far away from a heat source because it depends on the size. We'd have to take away anything that doesn't have certain types of uh, minerals Mm -hmm. on that planet Mm -hmm. or on that rock. So we could probably, if we took that hundred set, there might only be seven, and I'm making Mm -hmm. this number up, there might only be seven Right, That could potentially meet the criteria you have. Sure. Now, let's assume on those seven, only three of them meet the criteria that you just
1: said. Sure. Okay, so, so now what, we've what got, does, three. So you got three. So you've got three. They've got three out of 100 billion stars. Correct. What happens next?
0: Okay, so now if you say that they actually do what you're saying, well, we mm-hmm. could say that one of them completely fails they kill themselves, mm-hmm. they yeah. have nuclear war, sure. they do all the things that you shouldn't do. So now we're yep. down to two. Yep. Yep. And then we have a group that really tries to get out, but they don't have that cognitive capability to make sure. that, but we do have one. Yeah. Now in that one, even if you're using a replication factor of going and then finding and going and finding, mm-hmm. to find a little rock earth or near earth or close enough for us to see something might be as just as impossible as the largest scope of the entire universe. As I said,
1: they do, it in 10, they do it in two million years. So the moment that one that survived, the one out of 100 million star systems, that one goes on to completely explore the galaxy.
0: I, I, I think I, I can, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I believe there's yeah. a
1: lot of math in there that can easily be... Well, right, but, but, but you can, I mean, you can look at them because, because the numbers are so large right? Yep. You know, and, and the data use, set is huge. Yeah, the data set is huge. And so the what matters is that it takes one time. No, it, it takes so it one
0: time for the first one, but it takes it doesn't change the model on the next one, that that next one will occur, because maybe they go to a rock that you robot, only need let's call, but one, they go to. So let's assume that humans decide to pick a rock. Mm-hmm. And let's call it Mars. Sure, because the moon's gonna be okay for a bit let's call it Mars. They go to Mars. They've done it. They made the jump. Yeah. But what happens is on Mars, they didn't make, they didn't have all the data and they made wrong assumptions about surviving a number of people and they collapse. Sure. The people on that original planet, let's call it earth might not have the wherewithal, the capital, all of the other things for, to make that next change again. Yeah. Because we get to get to
1: that. That's my point. Number three. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, let's so, the, get, so are we right. ready so the, for three years or more? No, we're not. Because I because I, I feel like I'm not, uh, you don't understand it yet, I don't think. And so okay. I, think, I think I just want to sort of take yep. a few Please cracks do. at it just to get there. Yep. Yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd so love the, it. Right. So the point is like, and back to my coconut analogy, that, yep. that if a coconut lands, like say you've got all the beaches on Hawaii and 99% of the beaches are bad for coconuts to land on. But there's one beach that's okay for coconuts to land on, and coconuts can can grow on that beach. Yeah. One hundred years later, where are where are the coconut
3: palms growing? They could be on the island, or
0: just to that one beach, because probably, the rest of the island they're, they're everywhere. The rest of the island might not might not be conducive to that. Well, it could be, but we weather but could,
1: sure, yeah, okay, fine. I mean, we can pick any plant. The point being that that. It, Once the coconut has the toehold on Hawaii, it then spreads. It drops more coconuts. The coconuts grow. You get more coconuts. Eventually, the entire island has been settled by coconuts. And and so it doesn't matter where it starts. If you take a sandwich, and this is the other analogy that I use, and one spore of mold drops on your sandwich, and you leave your sandwich out, and you come back a week later, your entire sandwich is covered in mold. If, in fact, it was left
0: alone to its own devices. Right. If, in fact, that mold was found by my wife, it would have been (laughs) tossed or exposed or whatever. If, in fact, that coconut is like the 17,500 tree species on planet Earth, at this time today, out of 60,000 tree species, there's 17,500 on the razor's edge of going extinct. And they're going extinct because of variables outside of the control of the tree. Yes. I mean, toilet paper is 80, toilet paper and hand wipes are 80,000 trees a day. Yeah. So if someone really wants toilet paper, hand wipes or toilet paper, butt wipes, whatever you want to call them, that, that species might not be back, be all over the planet, all over the island. If you came back
1: 50 years from there, I was assuming there was no people looking to turn okay countries into toilet wipe right i'm <laughs> but I'm, you understand I'm, what i'm, I'm saying understanding... i'm using it as an
0: example no is i understand there, there's I variables saying... out
1: but yeah all i'm saying is, is that is that yes. there is life in every nook and cranny of planet earth yes we don't have to go very far to find life yeah because life is doing the spreading yeah. and and if intelligent life gains the technological capability it will do the spreading and for every life form that doesn't want to do the spreading there will be a life form that will or for every 1000 that don't want to there will be one that wants to and it's the one that wants to is the one that we see that we will see and so you and so that experiment has been run on 100 million planets 100 million star systems across 2 trillion galaxies and we have not one time seen evidence that that an alien civilization has begun this process of settling their galaxy and 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 so that leads us to wonder like there are two possibilities either we are alone in the universe or something really horrible happens to any advanced civilization that tries to, that gets to a certain level of technology. And we can imagine all kinds of possibilities. We can imagine a nuclear apocalypse, but a nuclear apocalypse won't kill life on earth. We can imagine an asteroid strike, but an asteroid strike won't kill life on earth. We can imagine um, a a plague but a plague won't kill life on earth like there's life forms 10 kilometers below the surface of of earth there's they're, life they're forms the hottest temperatures pumped. at the bottom of the ocean yes up against the the black smokers at the bottom of the ocean that that we are that life is unkillable you would have to take the entire planet earth and drop it into the sun if you really wanted to get rid of life on earth okay so so life is life is everywhere and so it seems weird. And of course, like, what if we create our robot overlords? Well, then we would see the universe being filled with robotic spacecraft and we don't see that. So it doesn't seem to be that that alien species transcended into robots. So the so it's a possibility that there's some inevitable outcome, some science experiment that intelligent civilizations can't help themselves, but do I I just choose not to believe that because it's a horrible thought. I would much prefer we're alone because the alternative is horrific.
0: Ah, that's an interesting.
1: Yeah. So yeah, like I'm having to make a leap of faith here. In that, in that I'm just like it. No, that's an interesting take.
0: That it's either this way or the alternative is the other one behind door number two.
1: Yeah. And door number two, like if it's, if it's knocked out 100 million star systems across 2 trillion galaxies or 100 billion star systems across 2 trillion galaxies, it is 100% lethal. Whatever this thing is, nobody has escaped it. So we can't expect to escape it either.
0: Uh, the, I, I, you remind I had this conversation with, I, I was at an event. I met, if you want to call it, the first astronaut I ever met. Uh, his name was Jim Newman, and I he's out of California. We were sitting and talking, and I didn't know he was an astronaut at the time. He, we just started talking about life, and he said, "We will we'll never know if there's life outside of this uh, of Earth." Hmm. And his his presumption, and I'm going to shorten it, and probably not do it the justice that he did it, is he said that. If someone was gonna come visit us, and you've heard this, they would have had to look through their mic, through their telescopes. They would have had to pick this rock 50,000 years ago or whatever, depending on their speed of travel. Then they would have to have then hopped in and, and seen what they saw and said, we're gonna to go to that rock, that small tiny rock orbiting around the sun. And by the time they got here, it could all be gone or the choice of even selecting it would never have happened. I totally disagree, and that was his first. That was his first take on it. Yeah. That was the first time I was questioned in that way. I never heard about it in in that light. I think here the he was talking about slower than the speed of light, sure, or is t- traveling at very much slower speeds. You use ten percent, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, the
1: speed of light. Yeah, he was probably talking Voyager speeds. I, I, <laughs> like, I, like, I get that that feeling, but I actually think it's wrong that we currently have the James Webb Space Telescope, which is theoretically capable of detecting life, gases from life in the atmosphere of an extrasolar planet. There are plans to build a telescope called the Solar Gravitational Lens that would put a telescope out about a thousand astronomical units from the sun where the gravity of the sun acts like a natural lens and magnifies the light from a distant exoplanet to the point that you would see a one megapixel image of an exoplanet so you would not only see the exoplanet you would see the mountains and the oceans and the and the trees and rivers and the cities and and the moons that were going around it and that's like one spacecraft we could we have the test mission which is identifying every every planet in our in our neighborhood we've got the extremely large telescope coming online in 2027 that is going to be capable of directly observing earth-sized world orbiting around sun like stars it is perfectly reasonable for us to assume that in the next few hundred years we will have a very detailed survey of every single planet habitable planet within a few thousand light years of us and and telescopes out of the solar and, and your lands, belief that there will continuously be continuously imaging them
0: and, and, and your belief will be there will be nothing is it, we'll there. find it's nothing
1: going. yeah we'll find we'll nothing find, yeah. It, yeah it's and we have to, you know antimatter would allow us to travel at a significant portion of the speed of light we have laser sail technology theoretically but even if we're lazy and we want to take the slow route we can wait a hundred thousand years and star systems will get close to us that they pass within a few hundred astronomical units of the sun or a few thousand. And they're relatively easy to hump from, hop from star system to star system. So a lazy civilization could take a few million years extra and travel to every single star system in the entire Milky Way for a fraction, for 1% of the travel time, because you just wait for all the star systems to drift closely to each other i I'm, I don't want I
0: want to continue with this. this is interesting. You know, a question came to mind of the and you would know this. you probably had read this. Uh, William Shatner wrote his recently comment about death or mm-hmm. beyond earth. I feel like you're the downer at the party. I'm sorry yeah. Uh, yeah, when he said that, did you say, did your heart say yes, he's exactly right? No.
1: What did you say? Well, I mean, like his his experience, and this is the fourth point: is how important Earth is. Like, it's so all do We, wanna, we, we still
0: have octopuses, yet. So you yeah, want we to we've to octopuses to in you the wanna Earth. So, like,
1: I mean, I guess, like, my only hope is that I've made the case that we're alone. I, I don't, I, I, and I, and I can appreciate that this is a this for a lot of people. I have absolutely not made the case. Um, well, it's it's again it's, for other it people. I've given it, them some interesting. Food my to think my about. question
0: would be: Let's say you've done this. Yeah. Uh, let's say you've done this a thousand times to people you've spoken to, not people in yeah. an audience. There's a huge difference: yeah. one-way conversation versus two-way conversation, yeah. large group versus a small group. Yeah. When you walk away from those conversations, and let's say they let's use this, I'm going to use a number of thousand because I'm going to give an analogy. Yeah. On LinkedIn, I think I'm like 17,500 connections. Let's just use that as a number. Okay. I get all the time people who write to me, David, love to have you a part of my life. Love to connect. Your CV is amazing. I'd like to connect. And I always do one thing. I write back, uh, love to connect. Why did you connect to me? Now, Mm -hmm. why did I do that? Because I had a person who, when I had, had 69 connections, And I accepted with a lot of reservation and he wrote me this beautiful letter about how he read, paid to think the book that I'd written and how he, it has changed his entire XYZ. It was beautiful. And I've had people, I don't know who I've influenced. So I have to accept, but I do write back out of a hundred, I get maybe 10 people who write back. So Mm -hmm. they said they want to connect. I then write something back, which is a connection. I accepted and write something back. They don't answer.
3: Yes, of course. Now, out of the yeah. people
0: who answer, probably not data specific, six of them write back, I just wanted to connect. It, it was awesome to meet you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Now, what do you write back? I mean, there's nothing you could write back to that. <laughs> yeah. You don't realize you created a connection. I created a conversation. You more or less slammed the door. Yeah. And then out of that group, maybe three, four, I had one this morning from Pakistan where I I set up a meeting. I said, I'd like to meet you if you're going to write back to me. I'm writing a cool conversation. Yeah, it's really neat. I like that. The challenge is that it's a small, small, small segment where we could say that people think something or do something. But I've been keeping track. People do not respond. And I ask them every single one, why did you connect? So my question is out of the thousand, how many of them walked away where they said, I completely agree with you? Or how many of them said, I have to think about it? Or
2: how many of them <laughs> well, said,
1: I don't know? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think the response is you've got to be wrong. I don't oh, believe it. Okay. I don't believe it. Like it's a faith issue. So I make what I feel is a ah. fairly cogent, co- cogent argument. And they'll be like, well, that's fine. But I just don't believe you. Okay. So you, and you used the word, so again, I'm very literal. You used the word faith. Mm-hmm. It
0: also could be a faith issue. It could be a matter of religion, a matter of societal norms. It could be that their their belief is that if there's not something out there, I have no value. There could be a lot of inherent reasons why they wouldn't. So if your argument is not having a lot of people walk away with that, yep, got it. Mm -hmm. What's... I, I'm sorry, I'm. this is who I am. Yeah. What do you think is missing in that formula that can get people over that hump to get this?
1: Well, I mean, like, I, I think that there's a, where I'm kind of going with this argument is I'm worried that there's a learned helplessness. Okay. About humanity. that That we have as our operating system an assumption that that some that we that someone else is gonna is gonna fix it.
2: Oh wow!
1: And and some and we have that across the environment. We have that across the economy. We have that across human connection. We are always assuming. I don't need to recycle. I don't need to decrease my energy usage. Someone else is gonna solve this problem. And. Every civilization has ended because everybody kept saying that until everybody died. Okay, so now, now,
3: I and and that's the it, ultimate. I, no, the no ultimate. I
0: I I love that because that connection, which is not an easy one to get, is an assumptive. Be and I'm not saying bad. It's just the word assumptive. Mm -hmm. not a negative bad, not a a negative assumption or positive. The assumption is that human beings or the behavior of human beings, because we're not talking about trees and amoebas and we're not talking about Mm -hmm. whales, Mm
2: -hmm. that
0: the human species has this underlying belief structure for some reason that something will save them. Yes. And you don't like that. Mm-hmm. And you're hoping that they can tap into a different side of them. Yes.
1: Uh yeah, 100 percent Okay. Yeah. 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 And, and no, no, you, I, it manifests itself just in, like it manifests itself over and over and over again. In so, in political, you know, people who are who are being trapped in tyranny in you know, you see what's happening in Iran right now. You think about the environment, you think about the what happened during World War II. Like just again and again, it's only when people take a stand for the things that matter that, that things change and we avoid annihilation.
0: And- I, I, I'm gonna, maybe
1: this might be helpful
0: because I, I'm now understanding where you're coming from, which I love. I appreciate
2: mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm going to give you two data points, two thoughts to think about. And one of them is a a methodology of awareness. Individuals are not aware of what they don't know, but they believe they know it anyway. They they believe they understand something. So I made this mistake. I had developed this program called Redefining. If you use it and you understand it, and it's not simple, if you use it every single time you use it, you will come up with a better answer than the answer you had before to get to your desired outcome. Every time there's, if it's 1%, if it's 50%, if it's 0.01, it's always better because I've used it over and over and always does. But the first time I presented it, I said to a group of people, I was excited. There were about 13 people I'd been working with. And I said, let me share with you what I'm working on. I went over it. And these are all executives of pretty large companies. And they say, oh, no, no, I do that. No, no, I do that. I do that. And I'm thinking, I know you. (laughs) You do do not do that. So the next time I changed them, I changed me. I didn't try to change them. What I did is I said, "There's a big piece of paper in front of you." I did it like two weeks later to another group of people. There's a big piece of paper in front of you. I would like you all have processes for addressing major challenges, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I said, "Can you write me down the process that you use, that your organization uses, not just you, but your organization also uses." And let me see it because I want to see where you come from. And I let them struggle. Yeah. This went on for- Of course course they don't. 20 minutes and people are saying, well, you know, I kind of do this and I kind of do that. And then what we did is we put them up. And I said, do you know, if you do this, you'll be in a constant loop. You'll never get an answer. And another one was, okay, so here it was, then ask again. Like you did all of this and then ask again because it's complete failure. Yeah, They didn't have one. And then I showed it to them. And the second group said- Aha. I get it. Right. They completely not, I'm going to say worded because it's bad bought in, they completely understood it because they didn't have a methodology and they thought they did. I think in this case, which I do love now, because it does fit Project Moon Hat, huh? is that you're kind of articulating, there's another reason for us to live a different way of life and maybe it's based upon our our inherent belief structure of where we are in the universe. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? What I just said. Yeah. Yeah. Our responsibility. So I'm, so I'm going to take it from a different perspective, and I'm I'm using this. Uh, I am Jewish, and in the Jewish religion, we are not. I've never been taught. I don't think it is you're never taught that you're going to be given something like you can't pray for something. We don't, I don't, I've never prayed that someone that something would show up or that the world would be better, or this would happen in, in the way I was brought up. And most of the people I know, you were told, no, you can have anything you want. You just have to work for it. No, 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 you can have to work for it. No, you can have to, you have to work for everything. And so I don't come from the position that there is another life out there that will save us. I don't think that the Vulcans are gonna show up because we hit uh, warp speed for the first time, whatever version of the movie it is. I don't remember these names, the the titles. I don't come from that. I come from the belief that no matter what, it's still up to us. It's still up to us. Mm -hmm. So I do agree. I, I do love this. I'm not gonna, it's not an argument. I call it a theoretical argument, meaning that I do love your case scenarios that it's, it's the probability of what you're saying happening in the universe is infinitesimal to zero. I do agree with that. Mm-hmm. I just don't tie that to me changing my behavior because I personally believe no one's coming right. to help us
1: at all. Right, right, of course. And so I think, I mean, I don't think people have a, a actual specific expectation or belief that this is that someone is going to show up and fix everything but they act as if yes that's what's going to happen and they continue living living their lives
0: but that that is a behavioral component of it and it does mm -hmm. fill into what you're saying so yes they do believe something else will save them it doesn't have to be
1: another species
0: it could be well the smart
1: people will figure it out yeah 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 exactly um or maybe you know we just need a you know, an asteroid strike to reset everything, but that's correct. That's well, madness. It's madness.
0: There are people who believe we need the the, the Earth should have nuclear bombs, and then yeah. it will reset
1: itself. And it won't. And so nope. that's what I'm about to move on to. Let's move on oh, to the octopuses. To, uh, we'll talk about the octopuses. Yeah. Okay. So, so I mean, we are not. I mean, we are the the most advanced civilization, the most uh, intellectually capable uh, species on Earth. Uh, We we wiped out all of our competitors, and we're the ones that build cities. We're the ones that farm. We're the ones that put animals in pens. We're the ones who who exert dominance on every nook and cranny of this planet. We have extracted all of the ready resources. We've extracted the oil. We've extracted hundreds of millions of years of of um, of plant life, algae that has fallen to the bottom of the ocean and formed coal and oil. We have extracted all of the readily available minerals, metals that are on the surface. We've we've dug deep and found it. Uh, we've extracted, we're extracting now the water in giant underground aquifers that have been built up over tens of millions of, of years. We're using that up too. And so if we do mess this up, there are other life forms that can step up. There are the there are the crows, the ravens, the parrots. There are the octopuses. There are the chimpanzees, the gorillas. You know, there's a lot of, there's dolphins. So there are other life forms. And even if one of them can gain a certain level of sentience to the point that they can build cities and build, undertake a space uh, program, build a a... Hut on the moon with a door uh, and so on, we have used up their the legacy. We have used up we have stolen their resources for ourselves, that we have preloaded <laughs> all of the stuff. and even if any other civilization forms after us, the kind of technology that it would take for them to be able to get at that high value resource would be extreme. And the planet is is heating up. Uh, I mean, over the next, say 500 million years, the sun will, will boil the oceans and continue on until it eventually becomes a red giant star. Now, that's not causing global warming. <laughs> Just make sure that people understand that <laughs> global warming is, is absolutely humanity uh, burning fossil fuels in the short yeah. term. And that if we disappear, then temperatures will go back to exactly as they were without us. But over the long term, the sun is heating up and yeah. and it will end life on Earth eventually in about five billion years. So we can't we can't. We can't depend on the aliens to do it, and we can't depend on the future to do it. That's why we can't. The octopuses can't do it. It's we we can't rely on the aliens, and we can't rely on the future.
0: So, so yeah. Well, let's. I put an X to the aliens. No aliens. X the aliens. X to the, and I, X I, the actually, octopuses. Actually, yeah. I have met some aliens and i think they are among us so i'm not so sure but okay.
1: they they're not helping us they're not okay so, but yeah only, yeah so we, they're not helping rely they're just you yeah. yeah those aliens that i'm talking once they and, they threw their lot in with us they they, they they're going them. they're coming down with the ship
0: yeah they're they're uh what is it men in black they're sitting at the bar drinking yeah yeah exactly okay, yeah. and yeah, then they've, they've gone native they've gone native and then yeah. do you think with the 500 million years That potentially is just off the cuff of that potentially another species
1: could evolve. That's so it's a long shot. Okay, and we've like maybe, but we've used the good stuff. We've used up the good stuff. So even if they do evolve, they're not going to have oil reserves, coal reserves, uranium reserves, iron nickel, copper, cobalt, cadmium, manganese, etc. We grabbed it
3: and used it. Okay. So let's let's go down the the bad rabbit hole. Do you believe and we're doing the gentleman's bat. Mhm.
2: Mhm
0: do you believe we'll solve this before what we have labeled the six mega challenges, which you've heard about, Mm -hmm, Uh, do you believe that we'll beat that race?
1: Well, so that's number four. Oh, okay. So are we done with three? I think so. Unless you have any questions. No, no, no. If if you're answering answering octopuses and and spaceships.
0: No, because you're going to answer it here. So uh, stop, stop wrecking Earth. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's it. Why the... In If we do this right, if we live sustainably in balance with the planet, we can increase the diversity of planet Earth, we can utilize the energy that is coming freely available to us from the sun and other renewable energy sources, we can live in balance on this planet for until the sun cooks us all. And in fact, maybe we can shift the orbit of the planet outward to stay in balance while the sun continues to... Nice thought. the planet we have hundreds of millions of years ahead of us if we choose never thought that, of moving earth out into a different orbit but that's a good idea okay. it's relatively straightforward you just have to bring no, no, a large a, you have to bring an asteroid yeah. close to the earth once every ten thousand years and it will be enough to shift <laughs> the earth's orbit out slowly as it as the sun heats up and it's oh, sufficient. Okay. in fact you take one asteroid have it go from the from the earth to jupiter and so it's stealing a little bit of orbital momentum from Jupiter, but like nothing that would ever ever show up on Jupiter's orbit. And then it gives it to Earth. And so you're slowly shifting Earth's orbit outward, in lockstep with the way the Sun is heating up. So okay, you could yeah, makes sense for wow, cool, for never thought about five that. billion years. Yeah, 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 no problem. Okay. You you so, just got to buy time. Like it is like nothing in that violates the laws of physics. We just need to get to a place that we can do it. And so, so we are unsustainable in this. So we have started the clock. We have started the stopwatch in, in how much time we have left to to figure this out. Before we use that, all of the goods, all of the oil, all of the coal, all of the uranium, all of the gold. We have converted, we have destroyed the forests and turned them into cropland. We are, we are, we have... We're growing an unsustainable number of cows, etc. It is so. Have you have you made
0: these? Have you made this balanced life change?
1: I I mean, probably not. Um, but I I did. But I did buy eighty acres in Canadian forest to restore. And, but it's Canada. Come on. I yeah, understand. I know exactly. Right. <laughs> so uh, let me. It's just uh, snow so, and beavers. But but we. Uh, but yeah. So, I, so, you know, so my let goal me ask- is to protect this property so that it is never falls into the hands of loggers again. And all I do all day is think of ways to jam more diversity into the property.
0: Okay, so uh, I'm going to do this with you, which I do. Somebody else. Uh, do you ever take photos on your on your phone? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, the guy who invented Siri, I don't know if you know this, for every photograph you take and post, it's equivalent to three 20-watt light bulbs running for an hour because right. you have to consider that there are servers that are running to yeah. make it. That's not including storage. That's just to yeah. get it from your phone, be your phone being charged, send it through the wires, send it through the s- servers, post it online for someone to see it, and to maintain it costs more, but it's three 20-watt light bulbs. Do you, uh, do you buy, ever buy new clothing? not really (laughs) well how old are you now today i'm 51 okay i'm I'm 50 so i i lived in hong kong and every all my clothing had to be new because it had to fit the right marketplace but yeah yeah uh, i do you buy foods that are shipped to you Mm -hmm. of course okay yeah well i I asked the woman in france and i'm not picking on french people she's a fabulous person she believes in all the things you kind of just said that we have to do this. And I said it just as I'm saying it now. I said, you're a French woman, right? She, and, and, and in a nice sense, and she smiled, yes. And I said, are you going to give up makeup? She looked at me. She looked in the camera. There was somebody else. And she said, no. Yeah. I said, you're a French woman. I know that you love to dress. Are you going to
3: give up buying nice clothing?
0: David?" I said, Are you? She said, No. I said, You love French, you're French, you love French food, elegant delicacies from around the world, you love to dine. You're going to give up dining and these elegant
3: delicacies from around the world. No. I said, So
0: then, if you won't, and you know everything that we'd spoken about today, you know, it was on that conversation, you know, all of this then and you won't do it how do you expect others to do it
1: i i am a fan of the theory that individuals feeling guilty over their carbon f- footprint is a deliberate campaign by by fossil fuel companies and governments to try and shift the blame to individuals when it is a policy Issue at the heart of it.
0: it. It wasn't even my my questioning to you and to her was not that. It's that humans are not reductionist in in their lifestyle and thinking. Of course,
1: but We're we not. live we live in a society that is shaped by the by the politics and the business practices that are permitted by the government and encouraged. And, there are and do you
0: think the government? Do you think governments around the world today are? To, or at least the next twenty years, let's give you a window. Do so yeah. you think in the next twenty years, there will be enough tenacity, about, uh, enough fortitude, enough understanding, enough conviction I, on a I global am, scale for seven point eight billion people yeah,
1: i am I am overall um optimistic. I am, you know i'm I am like I think when you see the rate of adoption of of low carbon technology, of the switch to electrification, the rise of solar panels, wind powers. Like I think the the, the climate of the planet is going to take a hit. I think that a lot of the least fortunate people are going to take the brunt of the damage that we've done to the climate. But I think that we will figure this out. And uh, 200 years from now, we will have solved the living in balance with the amount of resources that we have available to us from space. And, you know, and I'm sure you've had this conversation with a lot of people that space is potentially one of the best ways that you can, you can find some room to breathe that you can extract resources from space. There's energy in space. You can dump your pollution in space and you have lots of room, but I, again, think that that is wishful thinking that that's going to solve our problems.
0: So, the have you worked? Spent a lot of time not just traveling in countries such as Bangladesh, Indonesia, Cambodia, Malaysia, no. Botswana, no. Zambia. Okay,
1: no. I've lived Costa in Hong Rica Kong. Costa Rica is the closest okay. that I've done. <laughs> okay. Yeah,
0: uh, I I've uh, lived in Hong Kong for ten years. I've lived in Luxembourg, and while in in Hong Kong and around the world, I've worked in about fi- over fifty countries. And to me, speaking is not working. You fly in, and let's say it's Hong Kong, and you stay at the peninsula, which is a beautiful hotel. You go up on the, to the peak, which is the beautiful mountain. You come down, you speak, and you leave. You didn't work in Hong Kong. You spoke in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Working mm-hmm. is when you spend time on the ground in Bangladesh for weeks, and you get to meet the people, and you understand their culture, and not everything that you can learn. I think that the rate of change that's necessary when you're in these environments, 67 or 62, I don't know the number today, of the world's popul- percent of the world's population lives in these regions and their lifestyle and what what's important to them is a very different uh, construct. And I'll give you an example in a moment as I move this forward. I do believe that's, that Beyond Earth has a power, but not the power of, uh, that is being promoted. I believe that the power comes from the innovations necessary which is required when you paradigm shift to a different location so let me give you an example you leave canada and you now go to live in cambodia you now have to learn everything new Mm -hmm. okay now just going there means you're going to have to learn to grocery shop different you're going to have to store things different you have to travel different we know the world so much we make so many assumptions about the world that without even realizing it, we harm the world even when we're trying to solve the world. But what if I said to you, how would you take a shower on the moon? Now, before you answer that, think about it because I want you to come back to it. I was on the phone with a good friend of mine uh, out of Xiaomen, China. When I was in Hong Kong, we were talking. We had talked about half hour, 40 minutes and great conversation. She said, I've got to take a shower. And I said, oh, well, why don't we talk in about 20, 25 minutes? And she I mean, through the video camera, I could still feel it. She wound up with her hand so hard that she smacked me through that camera. And she said this, don't you go telling me that I can't take my 20 to 50 minute shower every day because you've lived this life, you've had it, and now it's our turn.
1: Mm -hmm. And I went, oh. I've had that exact conversation with, uh, with a friend of mine in China. And so the construct is that to change
0: her mind with rational thinking, meaning a, an example, not going to do it. So if I said to you, though, or said, to her, How would you take a shower on the moon? You know how to do this, right? I'm assuming. How do you mm-hmm. take a shower on the moon? Mm-hmm. How would you do it? How do you take a shower on the moon? Because I'd like to hear how you would say it.
1: Oh, well, <laughs> I it's mean- a project, Moon Hunt. How would you take a shower on the moon? <laughs> well, I mean, like water conservation is the key, and that you would be. You know, you, you've got the gravity, but you still have gravity on the moon. So it's going to work roughly the same, but you just have to be really careful about how much water that you use and you're recycling the water as you would in a, in a space station, etc. Right. So you,
0: what you did is you made a change. Now the average individual on planet earth has never thought about that question. I never thought about it until mm-hmm. I had this woman and I said, well, what if we on earth, we had a shower, we hopped in, we hit the water and for two minutes or three, whatever it is, two minutes, the water, it, you get water that gets heavily filtered. It goes out the system. It gets filtered in the home. And then after that, you have a recycling water that continually goes with a filter behind the wall so that you could take a 20 or 50-minute shower like sitting in a bath because the, wa- the dirty water has gone and it's being cleaned a certain way. But this water is not. The, challenge, the, the value for Beyond Earth is not going to Beyond Earth. It's the innovations necessary and in the paradigm-shifting thinking that's required to do it creates new innovations on Earth that addresses climate change, mass extinction, ecosystem collapses, displacement, social, political, economic, religious... It involves unrest and how we, how we get along with people in closed environments in different societies. It involves explosive impact from things such as overfishing the oceans, deforestation of the rainforest, the pollutions that go into the ocean. That, that construct of the thinking
1: is the value.
0: I, I think you know, that gun. is an
1: argument that people make for the value of NASA. And, I, but they also make that argument for the value of war. Yeah. And 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 I think that those are you're looking for a framework to adopt a a new kinds of technology, but I think they're they're a they're sub secondary to the process of using technology to solve problems. And I think just getting humanity to this level of balance here on earth is challenge enough and will keep us busy like i would be perfectly happy if we never sent another rocket mm-hmm. except for like a couple for earth observation and stuff right yeah, and, and for we, weather and we, patterns or and whatever exactly and that we spent our energy on on sorting out how to balance life on earth but that we actually threw ourselves into this challenge and not just tried to split the difference and spend some time building aircraft carrier cares and sometimes developing new solar panels like i think the the ideally you want the the new technology that you develop the innovation that you create to be the direct result of the problem that you're trying to solve it's not it's never is it's it's messy it's sloppy it it can be it can be it can be and i think that that is a When people say, well, the reason why we're going to go to the moon is because it's going to develop a lot of really really great technologies, the question is, could you develop those really great technologies without going to the moon? And the answer is, of course, yes. Uh, Actually,
0: I would argue because I, I, I taught new product and service development and innovation at NYU for 12 years. I've also done this around the world. I will say no, because too many assumptions are built into too many models of and frameworks that people bring to the table and you said and so let me jump take a jump then you can answer that sure nasa you said that's the argument Mm -hmm. so if nasa's argument is to create the innovations and the way i say it or most yada 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 save earth that's the thing that's the the methodology would you assume that nasa when someone's interested in the innovations and to learn about them is going to get Op- have open arms to make sure those innovations get to marketplace. I would assume I'm, that based upon I'm that model.
1: That, I'm saying that I can imagine a scenario where technologies are developed for an objective that benefits humanity that is directly for the purpose of those benefits. So, that I I could, was, you know, there's some kind of, you know, well, I, I'm not sure what it is and obviously it may require a certain amount of, of, um, psychological like modifying people <laughs> psychologically to yes, it get does. on board it does. with the idea acts, right but i can imagine does. a and a a culture of innovation a a series of prizes like the x prize that are deliberately chosen to shift humanity into positive directions without the needing to build Weapons of war or without needing to necessarily go to space. So I, and so I think we go to space for, and I guess my whole point of this whole conversation is that I have a different reason to go to space. Okay. And the
0: different reason, let me finish that. And then I want to hear that. Sure. Yeah. I want to tell you that our team has reached out, including myself to what's called spinoffs at NASA. Mm -hmm. Of course. There's a department called spinoffs. Yep. We have reached out to the director of this unit. I've done it three times, not gotten reply back. We've <laughs> written up to their information, never gotten reply back. We have people on our team writing emails to them and not one email comes back because they promote on their website, there are over 2000 innovations that NASA, we're, going, we're talking to others, that yeah. NASA has invented to, that has turned back on Earth. Mm-hmm. And yet we can't find that list And we can't find Mm -hmm. the data on it. And we have been asking. And if their methodology well, I love that, but the point is if your structure is built on that premise, then that would be a priority. Mm -hmm. And if if Jay from India, who's on our team, wrote a beautiful letter, I saw it first, he couldn't get. we have different people writing, I'm writing it, and I'm not getting, then all it says to me is that the mechanism that we're that's being promoted. And the actual activity mm-hmm. that's happening is not matching. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. So tell me what your what you what we were. I stopped you. I
1: apologize. Tell me what that's yours for, is. It's back to the beginning that okay. life is better than rocks. So why do we go to space to give the universe the chance to have life? That if we don't do it, nobody will. If we don't do it, The octopuses can't. If we don't figure out a way to get out into space and to connect to other star systems, eventually the sun in 5 billion years will sort this out for us. And then the universe will look forward to a Google years of rocks cooling down. Okay.
3: So I'm assuming you know what my next question is. No.
0: Tell me how. I don't. I don't care. No, no. I'm. I'm. That's some. Um, yeah, it's a philosophical the, I mean, argument. But do you have? Do so you have a framework that you believe would make sure this happens? Don't wreck Earth. <laughs> okay. Yeah. How do you? How do we? How do we? Again, ten. Ten billion people. Yeah. Again, we have. Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania. We also have Botswana, Zambia.
1: We have Cartagena or Colombia. We have... um, I assume it will happen when it's naturally going to happen. So when you look at the rise of reusable rockets, what's happening with SpaceX and with the Rocket Lab's Neutron and all of these other places... These were like, you can go back to technical papers written by NASA in the 1960s that were suggesting these rocket systems, but they didn't have the technology to do it. The Apollo program cost about $250 billion in inflation-adjusted money to reach the moon. The entire, you know, if you had the Mercury, the Gemini, and the Apollo missions, it's more like $350 million in inflation-adjusted dollars. SpaceX is building a rocket capable of landing humans on the moon, and they're doing it for in the tens of millions of dollars that okay. that the sls program which is feels like it's just an overly expensive boondoggle oh, is a so 4.2 billion to launch per launch rocket? blah blah blah. it's only probably about 40 billion dollars total cost in to this point so it's being done for 10 percent the price of yeah. the of the of the because you've got technology we have modern Capability. We have, we have computers, we have miniaturization, we have CubeSats, we have fiber optic, we have all these technology. So technology continues growing. And at a certain point, technologies become inevitable. And one of those inevitable technologies is going to be all of the subsystems that make exploration into the universe inevitable. But it won't happen if we mess up our planet. Okay, so let's let's so, so you, you you've said it a few times, mess up the
0: planet. Yeah. When do you think, and I we use the six mega challenges. Those cover a lot of what you've been talking about. Yeah. When do you think there is a that that over the lemmings cliff that mm-hmm. if we haven't solved it by then? Yeah we could be in really big trouble. Do you have a, you said 200 years, but where is Five, the- 500 million years? So you <laughs> think So you think that we still have 500 years of living the way we're living 500 today? 500 million. 500 million. million. But do yeah, you no. think if we live the way we're living today and we don't have global, not just regional, not just for Western society, not just for the wealthy, there are two, 2,750 billionaires in the world and there are 10.5 million millionaires in the world not for those people we're talking about estonia we're talking about philippines indonesia bangladesh pakistan northern africa if we continue at this in this rate where let's say it does increase one c these countries are going to have a lot of trouble surviving for many reasons and and there'll be portions of the world which will be overheated so is there a timeline in your head that you say
1: if if i could direct the resources of humanity yep. i would spend every penny that i every spare penny that i could to stabilizing the climate to stabilizing humanity's impact on planet earth to increasing biodiversity and and con- giving humanity room to breathe to sort out the life problem
0: while you might not think it, we are completely, what you're saying is completely in line with what Project Moon Hunt is doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's, it's so in line. The only difference is we take what you're saying and we're putting it into organizational structure that fits today's society. For example, we're, we're partially a 501c3, but we have proper organizations. There's a structure that we've already gotten approved. you can't can't do things as a nonprofit to a a certain degree. For example, if we needed to raise $1.6 trillion, we can't have a lot of bake sales. You'd have to have either awesome cookies or be selling all the time. We are trying in our minds, and it's not the only solution, is we're trying to do that stabilization by leveraging ecosystems such as using computational, social science, artificial intelligence, machine learning, network analysis, mm-hmm. uh, data sets to be able to find opportunities within networks to do exactly what you're saying, to stabilize, yeah. increase biodiversity, improve innovation. It has nothing to do with beyond Earth. It's just we, that's part of it. We also have a tech transfer unit team. You probably don't know this. I didn't know this, that most companies, the majority of companies out there that do tech transfer they make their money off of lawsuits. Oh, so what they do is they go out, they create, they create an innovation, they put it out there and then they wait for people to violate it and then they sue them. And that's right. where the majority of their money comes from. Even, I think it was Alan from uh, Gates, uh, from uh, Microsoft, he tried to do it and it ended up converting. It's not the same as what his, he started out as. That's what I was told by someone who's a patent attorney. So ours is completely, completely, How do we get deals made to move tech into places that it needs to be? So if someone's, let's say they earn in US dollars or Canadian dollars or euros, they earn 16,000 of X per year. They can't afford a $25,000 licensing fee, but that's what happens. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure that per market, per tech, we get it out there and and we do for cause. But what we are doing is trying to build an ecosystem around what you're saying, leveraging beyond earth but also leveraging on earth because Great. politics is overriding a lot of what, what, what you just said, and stabilize, increase, biodiversity. Those, that's politics. And why are you doing it?
3: Good question. Uh, I'm the
0: pieces that for some, without going into all the details of it, I, was in, I spoke at an event in Silicon Valley and when I was done, there was a guy standing next to me. His name was Bruce. And he said, if you ever go to, would like a tour of NASA, give me a call. Now, I'm not a space fanatic. I do like certain things about it. I do like Star Wars, Battlestar Galactica, Star Trek, Star Wars. Love those things. But I'm not a person who looks up at the stars all the time. And I said, sure, I'd love to. And he says, when are you in town? I said, I come to Silicon Valley every month. I've been traveling about two to 300,000 miles a year. I always stopped in Silicon Valley. And so the next month I fly in, I go to NASA Ames. And this guy, Bruce, is on the phone and there's a, he, he points, I, I, he points to me and he says, kind of take a seat. And next to me sits Lynn Harper, who's an astrobiologist. And they didn't realize my background. We have this great conversation and we go on for three hours. I mean, three hours about where platinum comes from and mm-hmm. why NASA doesn't work. They told me a lot of why NASA doesn't work. And then I left. I didn't get a tour. They said, come back. So I come back. And the next time the exact same thing happens, but with other people. And the third time I'm smart enough to know, I don't go into the facilities and aims, And I get a tour of NASA. I was not impressed. Maybe I was not shown the right rooms, but they did turn on the flight simulator for me, which was nice because I asked them, do they turn on the flight simulator for everybody? And he said, no, they don't turn it on for anybody. The guy sticks his head in. He says, you want us to turn it on for you? So I got to play with it a little bit, which was kind of cool. And then we were out at a restaurant, and I was so tired of hearing from all these people, all the challenges that the, the Beyond Earth ecosystem was engaged in. I looked at this guy, Bruce, and I said, you want me to tell you how to get to the moon? Like, who are you? And I said, we're sitting here having lunch. Let me show you. And for the next hour and a half, I brought, I outlined a 4 phase program, and then he said, who's going to pay for this? And I showed him how network analysis, computational social science, how that could do it. And then he said, well, how are you going to get this? And I would answer it. How are you going to get this? And I would answer it. And I came on, it was because I was solving a challenge. And I, I love challenges. Not that I'd like to have them, but a challenge is fun. You get to identify and figure out solutions. And he looked at me when we were done. He said, I've never seen anything like this. First time ever. And he said, you have to go to this event, a great giant leap in Hawaii. And I said, look, it's going to cost me $7,000 to change my ticket. I'm really not interested. Thank you very much. And as we're walking out, I had said, we need a box with a roof on the moon because not not colonization, not settlement. He says to me, uh, when we're walking out, he says, we don't need a box with a roof on the moon. And I'm thinking, I blew it. And that's pitching like we talked about earlier. What didn't I do right that he didn't grab it? And he says, we need a box with a roof and a door. A home, and I went, Oh my god, he got it! But I left, I was done, none of this space ecosystem thing and helicopter and, teleco- and uh, rockets. And I go to Hong Kong to my to our office, and there's a Slovakian who's in our office, absolutely phenomenal person. She's five foot seven, uh, which is about 172 cm. We're having this conversation. I tell her what happened, and she sounds like my Hungarian grandmother used to. And she says, You're going. Trust me, you're going, it's NASA. She rearranged my schedule because I couldn't tell my grandmother no. And I went to this great giant leap. And the first event I went to, again, I know nothing. I still know nothing compared to someone like you. You've got so much knowledge. My computer was catching on fire because I couldn't figure out all the acronyms. Just I was typing, typing, typing. What the hell do these mean things mean? And during that event, I said, your business will fail, your business will fail, your business will fail. And everybody was egging me on. And I shared it with a few people. And the long story short is after that event, we decided to put together a team. And that's how it started. It wasn't a, a passion for beyond Earth. It wasn't a passion for living in another planet. It wasn't to go to Mars. And simultaneously, I was working on a paper, artificial intelligence, machine learning, robotics, 3D printing, and sensor tech, how they're all merging for the first time in history and what that what could happen with it. And then I was also working on some of the challenges we're facing on Earth and they they merged. What if we leveraged the Beyond Earth ecosystem in a way that is social, meaning nonprofit, is done in a certain way that has a different that brings everybody in as inclusive. We don't go after military and government. So there's there's videos on this, you've seen some of that. Ours is to do what you're saying, but. In, I'm not gonna say, but yet, or in addition to, we've added some of the mechanisms to make it happen, because we're not gonna change. You're in a room right now. I, should, I know you're in a room because we don't have the video on, but I know you're mm-hmm. in a room, and you have a door. Yeah, I could try to change you all day long to go out the wind, go out another place, and you. But if I showed up tomorrow, you're out in your woods, uh, making sure that the 80 acres are taken care of. Is 80 acres right? And I plaster over your door and put a new door in with, fix the furniture, it looks beautiful, and you walk out and you have a better view. Are you going to tell me when you come the next time, say, oh, no, 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 I'm going to walk through the wall where it was before. You're going to go out that door. What if we change the systems and structure?
3: What if we change the world around us in a way that can solve that? So that was a
1: great anecdote. Okay. What
3: well, let me like. try again.
1: Yep, sure. Why are you doing this?
3: Uh, you know, I
0: I'd love to say there's a, a big reason. I think that I believe that this is the solution to some of the challenges that we're facing, and unless we do it, the next forty years of our lives will not be like the last fifty. And I get up every morning to do it to make that change. You I just
1: hope that the the, that the next few decades are better than the last few decades.
0: I think the next 25 years will not be good for planet for the for all species on earth. Mm-hmm. I believe we're going to see continued of the six mega challenges. I do believe that they're going to continue and they're going to cause displacement, they're going to cause conflict, they're going to cause wars. are going to the 17,500 species. Yeah. Maybe 8,000 of them be gone. I believe that those things are going to happen. And I love, I believe, I'm an earther. I believe that I'd like to go outside and I'd like to enjoy my life. And I want my children to enjoy their lives. And I'd like my children's children to enjoy their lives. And in, if I went 40 years, I will be 15, 99. So I'd have four generations on this planet. I would like to make a difference in that long-term prospect. And I believe that that can be changed. And I'm put, and we're, we have a great team around the world. We have people volunteering in everything, every category you could think about. Large organizations from KPMG, Deloitte, PWCEY, EY, J.P. Morgan Private Banking to Dassault Systems has mm-hmm. given us things. You know, all sorts of companies, organizations. I believe it can be changed. And and I, I, why am I doing it? I think mm-hmm. I can make the difference. I think I can make it so that the Earth, for me, my family, and the people that I love and care about, will have a
1: different future. But that seems short term. Yeah, it is. It's It's only 40 years. Yeah, it's 40 years. It's 40 years. What about the future? What about beyond that? What about the generation? Well, for my children, that's why I say I've got
0: two children, and my hope is that in 40 years, my children will inherit a better world, and their children's children will inherit a better world, and their Mm -hmm. children's children, and better is a relative term. It's that's like the beginning. It's a. Rel- I'm I'm hoping that the world will continue to have will have less of the challenges. So yes, I'm doing it for in perpetuity, But I don't have, I don't have a personal belief that I live on forever. That I was that mm-hmm. I, I that these things
1: that when I die I'm done. <laughs> it's me. I'm done. So so. I want to add, to your mission statement. Okay that you are contributing to keeping the flame of life helping the flame of life exist in the universe and that by accomplishing what you want to do you will also help ensure that that life which makes the universe better will be a part of the future of the universe so let me ask you then, I, and I hear what you're saying. I'm looking at
0: the directive right now. If I was to make that change, if we were, not I, mm-hmm. if, because I'm going to type it is what I meant. If yeah, we yeah. were to make that change, how actively engaged would you be with Project Moon Hut to make this uh, future happen? I would
1: well, be interesting. I've, I have no idea. I'd have to, you know, have to see what, uh, I,
2: you know. I know I'm putting you on the
1: spot. Yeah. 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 I'm a busy guy. If, a busy guy. if, if <laughs> so. you're a busy guy, congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: if we were to make this change, because you're asking, it's, it's, you're, you're asking some, I get asked two questions a lot. One is why are you spend, why are we spending all this money on space? They don't know what we do. And I, I say, can I ask you a question? Everybody says, yes. I said, have you ever seen a rocket where people took money, stuffed it into the rocket and shipped it up into space. And they said, what do you mean? I said, if you've ever seen, you say we're spending money in space. Have you ever seen, put sp- money into a rocket and ship it up into space? And every time they say, oh no. So where do we spend it? I say, on earth. I would draw my question. It's something of that nature. The second one yeah. is, David, why don't you work on the challenges we have on earth? And I say, can I ask you a question? What do you do for a living? Well, I'm Frazier and I have podcasts and I put on programs. Great. Why aren't you a farmer? What do you mean? I like what I'm doing. So no, I want you to be a farmer. And they, well, I don't get it. And I say, well, you're. I think what you're asking me is you think I am doing something that is useful. So you'd like me to change what I'm doing to fit what you think. My question to you is, are you doing the things that you believe will change the entire planet to get to a certain whatever you want to believe. Mm-hmm. And nine t- they always say, oh, I withdraw my question because it's a, they're asking me to change. Yeah. I'm asking you, if you're asking me to change on make a, a directive change, is this something of so much value to you that you will be a part of the team to help us get to that point?
1: Or is it just the message? It's, well, ideal, I mean, it's definitely the message. Okay. And I, you know, it doesn't sound like it's counter to to what you're saying. Like, no, you've expanded a little you've expanded a little bit further. Yeah, let's take care of planet Earth. Um, that's it. And I think uh, I mean, I think that
3: that we have these
1: goals, these lofty goals about how we want to live our lives and what contribution that we want to make. And then we also have the way we spend our time and the things that we do and the and the hobbies that we enjoy and and how we and I think at the very least you want to try and do as little harm, you know don't don't vote for the people who are trying to tear the world apart, uh, don't try to support the technologies that are doing harm, try to limit and minimize your impact on the planet, but also be realistic about where we stand in this journey. Um, and you, you talk to a lot of people you have on your program, people who are involved in, in the
0: creation of weapons, Mm -hmm. you, you have been involved, the people who are, you're working with do things that, you know, if you were to think back are harmful. Yeah. Yeah, You do have them. Of course. So I, I hear (laughs) what you're saying. The thing is we need, and I'm talking the collective we. Mm-hmm. We need people who have an idea, who are willing to stand behind that idea and participate in the, in, in, the, yeah. in the pieces that need to happen. And that, your answer is absolutely correct. What you're asking for, I love, the challenge I'm asking you is how do you get people to get involved with this, because you were the one who said mm-hmm. people go about their way, and people believe that they'll do, and so yeah, I'm- I mean like my like the, the reason I,
1: I have taken the form that I have uh-huh. is so that I can be a an amplifier for the projects that I think are doing doing good okay. and and the plan is you know and i think just having this interview with you and me planning to put this out in the podcast like like i flit about across all of the projects and all of the ways that people are attempting to bring about this sci-fi future that we've all been uh anticipating and and i have to you know i i spend my time contributing to and the and the energy and the distribution platform that I have to try to raise as many boats as I can. So so so, so what happened was you know, saying, I, didn't, I... I,
0: I was not clear because you made an assumption that when I said will you help, mm-hmm. you thought that this was life and time consuming. <laughs> no, I'm I'm
1: I help anybody who I can in in helping get their message out, in in helping in um, helping organize guests, whatever, you know, whatever I can do, I'm a connector. Okay, so, so, yeah. so what you're, are, are you saying that with what
0: we've talked about today that there is a means for an alliance, whatever degree that may be, that you believe, I guess being on the show, you've kind of agreed that you believe that what we're at least trying to do is something that fits into your basket.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, of course. Of course. Okay. Yeah.
0: And if if there are places and you'd like to learn more, I think you signed in NDA. I believe so. If no, I there were you haven't. Okay. No. If there are things that you believe, if you saw what we were working on and you believe that it was there, you would help us even further. Mm-hmm. Of course. Okay. So I would propose to you this. This is what we do with everybody. It's a a long onboarding, is we show you some of the things behind the veil. We do everything NDA-wise. The reason is we want people to join us, not compete against us. There's a big difference. We're not doing it for protection. You just don't walk up to a company and say, bang, 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 show me everything. Mm -hmm. We want people to work with us. We're in coopetition. We we even want competitors. Hey, let's join together and make this work. That's why we're a 501c3 compared to a profit organization. If we show you behind the veil and you like it, not saying you have to, and you like it, you'll help us where we say we can find a home for you.
3: Yeah, I would,
1: I would never sign an NDA. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, so this is actually, so something about Universe Today that you might want to know is we never um, agree to embargoes on news stories. So we do embargo, it, what is that? So an So in the news field, a a company that is generating some news will will reach out to journalists and they'll make the story embargo. They'll provide additional, you know, provide information to journalists. They'll allow them to do interviews, and the journalist agrees to hold off on the story for to to reach the embargo point. And then at that moment, you and all other media outlets are able to publish all of this stuff at the same time. And about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I got sick of embargoes and of uh, a few friends who, uh, of mine who I consider to be really excellent journalists who had been essentially prohibited from getting access to this information. It was a me- it was a mechanism of the news creators to sort of decide who is an acceptable journalist and who isn't. And I just said, Okay, that's it. We're not, we're not going to look at embargoes anymore. We're not going to break embargoes. Like we're not going to, as soon as we hear about what you're working on, we're not going to put out information, we're not going to, you know, break your secret. But we're just going to wait until the information is publicly available. And so for the last 15 years, Universe Today has never had access to information in advance. We don't sign NDAs, we don't, We're not, you know, off the record. Um, we just if if you want a piece of news that you want us to report on, just make it available and we will that that I understand. So ours is
0: our our ours is a little different. We're not saying that. We're saying we would love help. Mm -hmm. And all we're saying is anything that you own is yours. We if you it's very mutual. Yeah. Uh, Even even McKinsey, we've never had anybody change anything except for McKinsey changed three words, three, yeah, is we're not saying that you can't do anything you want outside. We're Mm -hmm. just saying, please don't share our plans right now because that's the one thing I can't do. Yeah, okay. Because, and and so you understand where that often comes from. For example, if you're going for a trademark and a reporter uses that trademark, that trademark can no longer be secured. If you show something and you're in the process of patenting it, yep. You can't, then the reporter reports it. It is now public knowledge and it can't yep. be protected. Yep. So it makes it complicated. Yep. And I never, I didn't put you into the category of reporter. I'm sorry. I yeah. put you in the category of a person and space this is my, no, yeah. I put you in the category of someone who was looking to make change. Yeah. And yeah. if I put you into the side of a cat, of a reporter, oh my God, that changes everything because it's not, it's not about the building of it. It's just the reporting of
1: it. Yeah. I mean, I have a space bias, right? People talk about, well, people have like a left-leaning bias. They have a right-leaning bias. I have a space-leaning bias. And what so, is a space bias? <laughs> so I am I am ready to enthusiastically report on, on anyone who's willing to stick their head up and take the risk to help ensure humanity's future in space. But- But my, and my job is to amplify. So, and, and, and so that's the way, that's the role that I fit into this ecosystem. And so, yeah, you know, what's my bias? My bias is that I am pro space. I am for the universe. Okay, so I'm going to
0: help. I'm going to look at ours to see what we could do. I can't promise. On your end, we're, and ours, if you remember, at the end, it says for all species on earth. And you, yours is humans. Ours is always all species.
1: So just tell me when you have something exciting that you want to share with the world that has to do with space and I'm your guy. Okay.
0: So if yeah. and when it comes to resources and I'm assuming that anybody who hears this because this will be put out into the ether. If someone needs access or knows or knowledge or something, they get to I could reach out to you and say look, we're yeah. looking for and you you like to play the connector role but not inside.
1: That's right.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I am the the amplifier. I am the I am the loudspeaker when when I think it's important.
0: And I I am
1: and I am the I am the journalist when I think it's also important. I I hadn't thought of you as a journalist, which is interesting. I know it is. It is like befriending a tiger. (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm more concerned. I, one of the things that we do with individuals who are coming on board, and I think I did it with you, I say, okay, take your age and add 40 years onto it. So whatever yeah. your age, I think I did it with you, was 80 to, uh, you're 40, you're 80. And yeah. I say, okay, and I think you had children. So you say, okay, how old will they be? And then I do it all the way down. And in some cases, there's four generations. And I ask them along the way, what do you think the world will be like? I mean, what do you honestly think? How it will change? What will be the on? And the majority of people can't even give answers. They've never thought about that. So I'm so, I'm not, I am challenged with the fact that I do believe having worked in these countries, Bangladesh floods every year. There's 179 million people. It floods every single year. And if we have a 15 CMC level water rise, that tidal surge will be devastating. And we saw in India this year over, was it almost close to 50 C? Uh, 120 degrees, 100 degrees. Ugh. There was six weeks, seven weeks of it. And then we saw in Pakistan, we saw 30% of the country underwater. And I just yeah. took three countries in a row. Yeah, I could take others. That's devastating. So my take is a little bit more, if, why do I do this? I know a lot of people in Bangladesh. I know a lot of people in India. As I told you, I just spoke to somebody in, in Pakistan. I know people. Pa- I'm, I am a globalist, and I use that in the term that I've worked around the world. I have friends around the world. And I really would like people to get along and have a better world. Uh, so the challenge when I think of somebody, I think of them helping because they see a tsunami coming. And I'm using a bad analogy, but let's say that it doesn't matter what your role is. We have to help. So I guess when you say that people are stymied they don't make those decisions could it also be that they have put barriers on their walls of what they can will do and won't do like a
1: journalist oh maybe but but you know my my job as a journalist is to investigate stories to follow where they go to report on what i find
0: yeah no i i, I get it all yeah. i do you have an is there another fraser no another fraser that says, no i have to make sure i'm a part of this in a bigger way if it's possible no okay.
1: yeah yeah i mean like like again if you have things that you want to tell the world and no, no, and, I, they're, I, I, and they're interesting that... to me and they're interesting to the writing team and i and i think they they fit within our purview then then i will absolutely report on it and if you have Secrets that you don't want the world to know, do not tell me.
0: Oh, and I completely because, understand because that. We,
1: because <laughs> I will share them because I go, it's my uh, job. I yes, Can, and I also did, like I just like I think like I think transparency is important. I understand that it's a that it is a brutal environment for attempting to to make things happen in this existing landscape. Um. And that's not my problem.
0: <laughs> I, I, the, the, yeah. the reason I think it's an interesting conversation, the reason I'm pursuing it today mm-hmm. is my, it, one thing I love about not having video in front of each other. Like we say, you're not looking at me. You can't see my eyes starting around, looking out the window, looking around yeah. saying, "Yeah." Oh. what Chicken I'm email. asking myself yeah. is you had said earlier, why aren't people doing this? Mm-hmm. And I gave you some answers, but I didn't give you the one you just gave me. Is that the construct of the world that you live in, that you've created uh, by policy or personal choice, prohibits that from happening. Without, so you can't do the thing that might be helpful. And mm-hmm. I, I, I use lawyers as an example. Mm-hmm. You meet, someone says, I'm a lawyer. Okay, immediately, there are all sorts of things that come to mind. Good and bad. Yeah. Many times it's not good. But if you're an intellectual property lawyer, wouldn't it be nicer to say to somebody, oh, I'm an expert in protecting and making sure patents get to market? That would be a different answer than an intellectual property attorney. If you are a compensation attorney, I'm an expert in putting together programs that amplify the organization's culture to be able to meet the needs long term. If you're a corporate attorney and you do mergers and acquisitions, I'm, the, I'm an expert mm-hmm. in bringing together assets to make them stronger as a whole. When you use the word reporter in the way you did, you put blinders, you put barriers intentionally it's, in a,
1: It's you just understand a delay. What, yeah, no, it's just, right, but it's just a delay. Like, like yeah. the the point, w- you know, where I come on board is when the is when you have a message. Yeah, you'll help us you get it want, out there. I'll help you get it out there. I I love that. And I appreciate that. We appreciate that. We appreciate it. It's
0: just, you you actually opened up my eyes to something that I had kind of been a little blind to in a reason that someone wouldn't do something because you reacted the way you did, Mm -hmm. which was, wow, I had never added that to my list. Mm -hmm. Is that the construct, the framework that the individual has doesn't allow them to jump that fence. Right. Which is uh, uh, Casey Hamler. He mm-hmm. said, the reason I can't sign it is that I am involved in too many things that I mm-hmm. might be via-violate. That's great. Yeah. Casey is amazing. He's brilliant. Absolutely off the chart of brilliant.
1: Yeah. Totally. So uh, th- this is great. Do you have any questions for me? No, no, no. I mean, I think, you know, uh, during this interview, you've, uh, you've explained a ton of information. So I think it's been, it's been a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, this has been interesting. You've uh, given a very different perspective. So I appreciate it. Did I meet my goal? Uh well I'm what I said was I will take a look. Yeah. And I will see. And I don't yeah. know because it's wording. Mullet I don't over. know how to be able to change because yeah. it's a, it, you over. don't start off with missions or goals. You never do. No, no. You always start off with desired outcomes. And so what I have to do is look at desired outcomes. Sure. Because that determines the planning that you put in place which determines the macro sure. tactics which determines sure. so i have to look to say because by adding two words for example beyond earth would in fact change some of the activity we're engaged in because it's got a different outcome does that make I, sense
1: it's a, a it's a it's an outrageous claim to make that you're going to uh, give somebody a why and, uh, and it's purely, uh, it's mostly sarcastic and hilarious. So, um, Oh, I, 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 you know, I will, I
0: do question these I,
2: interviews
1: are I for me it, to question.
2: Yeah.
0: So, yeah, no, yeah. it was, it, 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 it I, I love the conversation. We went definitely in places I didn't expect to go. So yeah. I, I do want to thank you for, for being on the, uh, on the program. I will reach out. I would like to know other people you think who should be on, Absolutely, And and I want to thank all of you listening out there who have taken the time in your day to listen in. I do hope that in some way, shape, or form, you'll learn something today that will make a difference in your life and the lives of others. And once again, here's the directive that we've got. The Project Moon Foundation is where we look to establish a box with a roof and a door on the moon through the accelerated development of an earth and space-based ecosystem. Then to turn the innovations and the paradigm shifting thinking from that endeavor back on earth to improve how we live on earth for all species. Uh, There are videos on the web, projectmoonhut.org. Fraser, what's the single best way for
1: someone to reach out to you, connect to you to get that valuable resources you offered today? I would say the best thing is my weekly email newsletter. So I write a magazine every Friday that goes out to 55,000 people contains a breakdown of all of the interesting space and astronomy news that's happening this week, links to all the stories, as well as links to all of the interesting space research that I've found, links to our videos, podcasts, all of that. It's like one place. So if you just go to universetoday.com slash newsletter, you can sign up to that.
0: Perfect. So once again, uh, thank you, Fraser and for me personally, for everybody who is listening in, love to connect to you. You could reach me at david@moonhut.org. At you can also reach us at, uh, at, on Twitter at, at Project Moon Hut. There's LinkedIn and Facebook. You could look us up, pull us up there. Instagram also. So there are many ways to reach out to us. So that said, I'm David Goldsmith,
3: and thank you for listening.